Tov, the twentieth day of the Omer, Isru Chag of Yom Atzmaut. We pick up on Daf. Um, uh, what Daf are we? Samech Gimel. Thank you. Um, Samech Gimel. But we pick up at the bottom of Samech Peramut Bet, um, and we are dealing with this idea that a, our Mishnah says if a man says to a woman, "I'm married to you after you get divorced, or after you know your husband dies, after I convert, you convert," it doesn't work. Um, but the Gemara deals with a case that maybe could work, maybe according to everybody. It's a scenario in which something is biyado, something that the person can control. So it dealt not with the case of Kiddushin, but a case of taking truma of stuff that's growing from the ground that is in his ability to uh, pick the fruit. Um, although it said by Kiddushin, it's less, it's more complicated. Um, it gave an interesting scenario. I'll divorce you. I'm married to you. Already now I'm married to you, and I'm married to you again after I divorce you. So even though he could divorce her, somehow the whole thing is not as much controllable by him because she has to agree to, to being married. Anyway, so that, that, that wouldn't necessarily work. So, but the point is that even though you can't be makna or do a kiddushin or whatever, if all the components aren't there, if it's beyond, it might be enough that it is there in potential. We actually discussed interesting cases about buying and selling futures. I guess selling futures, selling something you don't have if that thing is readily available um, to purchase. Um, from there, the Gemara focused on the position of Rebbe Lezer ben Yaakov, where um, actually um, to, um, about um, about even if it is not biyado, but it's something that's going to happen naturally, you know, standing grain that's going to ripen. Um, and he said that that could work, and that now moves us into the area of positions that say you can do something for dava, for dava shelo baliolam, because a lot of the dava shelo baliolams are things that will happen naturally. You know, the fruit will grow off of the tree and so on. And it's really like we should sort of distinguish between three categories. There's something that's not here that you can bring about, that's biyado, that you might say works even if normally you cannot do something with a dava shalom but you can make that happen. Okay, then there are things which will norm- naturally happen if everything goes as planned and it's expected that it will happen. The grain will ripen, the pregnant woman will give birth and so on. You know, sadly it doesn't always work out that way, but that's seen as sort of natural Okay, that's just, and then there are things which are, you know, not likely a lot of obstacles or whatever, you know, you can, not predictable that will happen, that you'll be freed from being a slave, that your husband will die, you know, those types of things. Those are the extreme forms of Dara Shalobala Olam. But what we were dealing with yesterday was Revelezer Ben Yaakov, who holds the middle form of Dara Shalobalam, things that will happen naturally if everything goes as expected. And the Gemara compared that to the case of a pregnant woman and a man saying, I will marry the, your, the fetus you know, your child-to-be, you know, if it turns out to be a girl. And that is, if everything goes as natural, she will be, you know, she'll, uh, she'll be born. And with a little bit of a question of how much does it have to be obvious that the, his wife is pregnant, that the, you know, that the mother is pregnant, um, in order for that to be seen as somewhat present, that other person to be seen as somewhat present. Okay, so that was, though, the position of Rebbe Lezir ben Yaakov, of Aramak Nadav HaShalom Olam, if it is something that would happen, you know, naturally, Naturally and as anticipated. Now that we pick up at the bottom of the Gemara and says the following: Amar Baye, four lines from the bottom end of the line, and Samach Tadam was bet. Said Abaye, Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov, Rabbi Meir, the Rabbi, Rabbi Meir, 
these three Tanaim, they all are of the opinion, a person can take possession of something or can transact, can transfer ownership of something, can be in a transaction with something or someone that has not yet come into the world. Okay, Abaye generally does this. Abaye looks at different Tanaim that have roughly the same type of an, a legal approach to something and pulls them together and says they're all sort of of a similar position. They're not identical, but they're of a similar position. Okay? Rebbe ben Yaakov HaDaman. Rebbe ben Yaakov, what we just said about the case of fruit that is not yet ripened. So it's not Balaol. I mean, you can't make it happen, but hopefully it will happen. That's a, the, mo- the easiest case of Dabr Shalom Balaol. Rebbe, how about Rebbe? Tatani, we taught in Bryce, the top of Samach Gimel Amad Aleph. You shall not hand over a slave to his master. Rebbe Omer, Rebbe says, What that means is that if somebody purchases a slave um, from a non-Jew or from whomever, and he stipulates that he will free the slave, then, um, then, he, then we cannot and then he changes his mind or whatever it is we the based and we the community can't return him to his master you promised that you would free him we have to therefore protect and ensure his freedom that's the scenario now the Gemara wants to say okay what does that have to do with us so the Gemara says hey dummy, what's the case he wrote to the slave who he's purchasing when I purchase you you are freed as of now Okay, yourself is owned by you, and you are freed as of now. I'm going to get back to the word as of now in a minute. Okay? Anyway, so what does that show you? It shows you that he went and he did the transaction of freeing the slave before he owned the slave, before he was in a position to do it. It also wasn't the Yado. The other person wasn't necessarily going to sell him the slave. I mean, he might have said he would, but he could not fully control it. And nevertheless, that act of freeing the slave works. Okay? And therefore, now how do we know that's what Rebbe is talking about? Because, um, because you know, as Tosa sort of says, if all the guy said is, I promise promise I'm going to free you, then it's hard to imagine that the Torah would have said, you know, do not return to the slave to the master. I mean, maybe it could have. But this new guy has to free him. Yeah, this is the new guy, right? That, that it's basically sort of saying, like, you made a promise. I mean, halacha normally does not see seem promises. They're morally binding, but it does not really see them as legally binding. Okay? So we understand that it could not just be a promise. It has to have been something that actually took effect and that wherefore they're enforcing the actual freedom. Okay? So that's sort of this, and it can't be that he just, like, you know, stomp freedom. I can say, a master who frees his slave, he, you know, and then he changes his mind. Um, because then it's like, because part of what sort of Tosos points out is the phrase is, do not return a slave to the master. Then he wouldn't be a slave. Then it would be, do not return a freed man to the master. You know? <laughs> so what sort of makes him both a slave and it legally binding? So therefore, that sort of leads to constructing this scenario where, you know, he was sort of purchased as a slave, but somehow, because of this uh, act that he did, the slave should be freed as a result. So, so, okay. Yeah. Right, so what Abayi is sort of saying is like the fact that Rebbe is able to read the Pasuk this way, choosing to read the Pasuk this way, shows that he approaches the Pasuk with the presumption that, that the whole transaction worked. What? What do you need the Pasuk for? 
uh, that we as a community have a responsibility to protect the slave's freedom. I mean, it's not that to say that the act was binding. Lotasta don't return the slave to the master. So we're saying this Well, you could read it this way. The Torah is informing you that this transaction works. No, 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 no. The guy purchased the slave and promised to free him. That works. Now the guy's the slave is freed. And what the Torah is telling us: do not return the slave to this second master. Right? If the if the master changes. His mind. He's not returned. I mean, we're trying to use this to prove that Adam ain't Adam. No, Adam is Exactly. 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 So now I, I understand. That's not our interest. Now Tozel's raises an important question, which is the Me'achshav word, because because I mean two questions. Number one is if you look at all the other cases of Lobali Olam, they don't say Me'achshav. If anything, they say the opposite. Right? This will be true when it gets lichet. When they get picked, okay. And so, number one is all the other cases don't say me'achshav. Number two is all the other cases logically me'achshav doesn't work, right? I mean, this is the question. It's one thing to say that you have enough of the components that the transaction will be meaningful, but how can it take effect at this stage when you know when the, when the, he's not your slave, or when this woman is already married, still married to this other guy, right? <laughs> right? Like obviously, what it means is the act. Work, is it works enough so that it will take effect when the components come, you know, when the necessary pieces fall into place. So Tuzzles basically has a long puzzle to figure out what Me'achshav means. At one level he says it really doesn't mean, like, anything. I mean, you know, how it explains, like, why it's said. But the other thing that he, you know, it's just that to clarify what Rabbi was getting at, but that, it's, but that it really doesn't have any legal meaning. The other thing Tuzzles says is maybe the purpose of Me'achshav, you remember the whole discussion we had that if you do an act that takes effect later the act still has to be somewhat in position, like the, somewhat the, 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 the remnant of the act of the transaction still has to be present when it takes effect. So if I say, for example, you know, because, take this, uh, what do you call it, you know, this um, recorder, thank you, and you'll own it with that, you know, in 30 days, then 30 days from now, this recorder might have to still be to some degree under your control. If it was in the middle of the street, maybe you wouldn't own it because there's nothing that remains of that transaction that we did. So Tosa says, because a slave is freed by, so that would be true in all these cases of Davos Shalom Bale Olam, if it's going to take effect later, you need some remnant of the transaction to be present later. So this says, yeah, but by the case of a, of a slave, when you give him a star, because you have to free a slave with a, with a, with a writ, with a star, so would that, what would happen if the star was torn or lost? Would it still work? So Tosu says, maybe the only purpose of the point of the word Me'ashav is not to make it happen now. There's no way it can happen now, because you don't have the right components in place now. But Me'ashav gives the act enough strength enough seriousness that it allows it to work even if there's no remnant of the act later. So even if the star gets torn up because you said, you know, Masha sort of means it'll be as if it is from now. Okay, that, that really takes place now, but because you said as of now, that means that there doesn't have to be any remnant of the Kenyan. Yes, but besides, as soon as possible, what it means is, since now we have all of the pieces of the act present, well, we don't have the fact that you're not mine, but we have the, the actual transaction present, then then we don't need any element of that transaction later you have to on. Written star then, or oh, of course. No, you totally have to give the star. No, no, the point of Dhamashalobala Olam is that you give the star now to the slave who you don't own. I mean that's the irony. It's like you give the ring to the woman who's still married to another man and it takes effect when she gets divorced. You give the the star to a slave owned by another man and it takes effect once 
he gets freed. Okay, but if you didn't say, if you just start, you just said words, you just made a promise. If you didn't say Me'ashav, you'd still have to be holding on to the Shtar. Okay, but anyway, the upshot of all of this is, is that only works when you ha- when the necessary pieces fall into place. But the transaction is done now. Right. Yes. Did you yesterday talk about the phrase in the Mishnah, Hukar um, Ugara? Well, Hukar Ugara wasn't in the Mishnah. God sort of conflated in or like, you know, uh, what they call glossed in because of the discussion yeah. in the Gemara. But that was discussed at the end of yesterday's daf. Yeah, the Hukar Ugara, whatever, yes. I don't want to go back to that. No, uh, but, right. but yeah, that was the end of yesterday's daf. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so the Mishnah was like this. Okay, so that's Rebbe. Rebbe Meir to Tanya. Now, how about Rebbe Meir? Rebbe Meir is usually the classic Tana that is identified with Tava Shaloba Olam. We taught in a Brisa, Haomer Isha, Reyat Mukudeshat Li, Lachashet Kayer, Lachashet Kayri, Lachashet Tachrer, Lachashet Tachrer. After I get convert, you convert, I get freed, you get freed. Certainly not the Yado, certainly not something that necessarily would naturally happen that a slave would be freed. Okay, so this is the extreme cases. Your husband dies, your sister dies. Okay, if you had been once been married to the sister, after your brother-in-law does chalitza, that would presume that you cannot do kiddushin with a woman who needs to have chalitza done, which is not the way we paskin. Doesn't work. It works. So there you go. And some of these, this is the most extreme forms of it. Not only is it extreme because you don't know it'll come about and you don't shouldn't be able to anticipate it'll come about, but I gotta tell you, I, I can still never understand that a non-Jew can say your do a, do a transaction that is only a kiddushin is only an institution that exists for Jews. That it's not like purchasing property that exists for Jews and non-Jews, but maybe we have different ways of doing it. Okay, the whole institution of kiddushin. I mean, yes, halacha recognizes marriage for non-Jews, but it's a different institution, right? So the whole institution, right? It's basically nisuin or whatever. So anyway, that you can do this whole act and you're not even a legal participant. I mean, I guess it's similar to the guy who's marrying off, the marrying the fetus, and the fetus isn't alive. <laughs> but yeah, what? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Robbing the cradle. Anyway, but somehow the ability that person is an actor in a legal transaction, not just they don't have the components in place. The woman is still a married woman, you know. But not even like a legal entity, you know. To me, it's just like mind blowing that that can work. That's what Rebbe Mayer says. Okay. Um, Okay, Rabbi Yochanan Asandler Omer Ein Mekudeshes. Rabbi Yochanan Asandler repeats the position of the Tanakam. It does not work. And Rabbi Yehuda Nasi Omer Mekudeshes. Rabbi Yehuda Nasi actually agrees with Rabbi Meir and says it does work, even though it's low ba olam. Umatam Amru Ein Mekudeshes. But the Rabbi said we won't recognize the kiddushin. So here you basically have an idea of like Askinu Rabban and the kiddushin. Technically, she's married, but in some of these cases, we'll see. In two of these cases, the rabbis refuse to recognize the kiddushin. Why do they? refuse to recognize it. Mishum Eva, because of hatred. What is the Eva case? So Rashi ex- ex- explains the Eva case is, Harea, you're married to me on the condition that your husband dies. You're married to me on the condition that your sister dies. So we cannot recognize that. That would have everybody waiting around, right? And then the husband mysteriously dies. Okay? So we cannot recognize that. That is too much, creates way too much tension and social, you know, and, 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 and problems within society. Those cannot be recognized. Usually the non-Jewish cases. The non-Jewish cases, 
fine. In principle, Rabbi Yudanasi totally agrees with Rabbi. That's a little social policy, you know, that we have to we have to override it in two cases. So the Gemara says, "V'nachshov nami Rabbi." Oh, so the Gemara says, "Okay, so that was your proof that Rabbi Meir is in the list. He's really the top of the list." So the Gemara says, "V'nachshov nami Rabbi Yudanasi." Oh, but Rabbi Yudanasi agrees with Rabbi. Why with Rabbi Meir? Include him in your list. No, Heinu Rabbi, Heinu Rabbi Yudanasi. Because we already quoted Rabbi before by the case of the slaves. So you see, you it, I know this is a much better one. Go on, get because it now gives us different applications of it, so it's a little more interesting. Okay, V'nachshov nami Rabbi Akiva. Ah, you can add Rabbi Akiva to your list. How do you know? Detail we taught in Brisa. Konim shani osalepicha. A woman says to her husband, Konam, which basically means it's like hektesh, makes it usher beneder. Anything that I had produced. So this is a woman, and her labor is. Uh, or the husband has rights to her labor based on the laws of the ksuva. And she says, anything that I produce, you know, through the labor of my hands, you know, that should be usher to you as a konam, like as a neder, like hektesh. Okay, lefiha. You won't be, you know, usher to you to, to be eaten. All right. Right, or you can't get any benefit from anything I do, and so on. But the Omer, he does not have to annul it. The husband can annul, but here he doesn't have to annul because he owes, he has rights to this, right? He, he has, her labor is owned by him. So she's not in a position to annul it. Rabbi Akiva says, no, he has to, to, to what? He's not, he's not, right. She's not in a, thank you. She's not, thank you. He doesn't need to annul it because she's not in a position to forbid it. It's not hers to forbid. Rabbi Akiva Omer, yafer. No, no, no. He still, he still should annul it. Because maybe she will produce more than she is obligated to him. Right? The Ketuvah demands that she does a certain amount of labor. If she does more than that labor, she's entitled to keep it to herself. So therefore, if she forbids everything she produces, it might include the extra that actually she does own. And therefore, she should annul it. Okay, because some of that could be forbidden. Now, by the way, Tosh was asked an interesting question. Why isn't he in a position to annul it? He's only in a position to annul things that impact their relationship. But if she's entitled to keep the extra that's her own property and she doesn't have an obligation to give it to him, why can't she, she do that? That's not something that's about their relationship. So Tosh says, there is no way you can exactly figure out that I do a couple of pennies extra, you know, more or less. So the presence of that neder gets in the way of him benefiting even from the stuff that he is entitled to, right? Because you never exactly know was this the extra or not the extra. Anyway, that's what Rabbi Akiva says. So the Gemara says, now how can you forbid it with a neder? It doesn't exist yet. How can you make something usher with a neder that doesn't yet exist? Okay? So the Gemara, that seems like a davar shalom Now that's a world of nedarim which you can sort of create reality. So who knows? Maybe you have more latitude there. But the Gemara anyway gets out of it. The Gemara says, This is not that she makes the food forbidden and the food doesn't exist yet. But She says, May my hands be forbidden. You know, the nether is in a way chal on her hands. The, you know, the hands in, in regards to what they produce. Meaning not that she can't, the hands themselves, like he can't touch her hands. Okay, this is not the luck of it. You know, it's like when you can own a tree for its fruit and you can own somebody's hands for their labor so but the hands for what they will produce are usher benedir okay the hands are in the world so therefore it's not a 
Dava Shalom Ba'ala Olam. I'm saying it's not enough to bananas, what bananas, and how it started, that's how it existed. Right. It's not bananas either because it's focused on the bananas. Well, that's interesting. That's another interesting point. That's true. Like, if you say, to me, what about the players that don't exist yet? Where that's like a class of things. It's an interesting question, right? I, I don't remember at all of Nidarim discussing that. When you sort of make it for yourself forbidden, a whole class of objects, not a concrete one, would that include things that have not yet, don't yet exist? But if you say, the bananas of this, but if you say the bananas of this tree are forbidden to me, and the bananas haven't grown yet, I mean, that's a good parallel, then if you say you can't do Darashilobalolam, that neither wouldn't work. But if you said, usher to me this tree, libnanotav, <laughs> so in that case, it would work, because the ichneder would be on the tree for that capacity or whatever, that it will produce its bananas. Exactly, exactly, that would be the same. Um, right, like, didn't the Gemara know that it was ready? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> I know, like, what was even the Hava, you know? Right, I, I have no idea. Like, any, you know, hopefully any, any child will say, what do you mean? That's Rebbe, you just said Rebbe. Yeah, I don't know what the Hava, what the Hava, you was. Okay, anyway. Um, okay, Ha'omel Isha, next mission. So that was the end of marrying a woman who's still not a or the guy is not yet Jewish the woman isn't Jewish she's still married whatever the basic Mishnah is you can't do Dava Shalom it does not work next Mishnah you are married to me on the condition that I put in a good word for you with the, you know, with the governor, with the mayor. Okay? Um, so, or I will, uh, I'll do some day labor for you. I'll mow your lawn on the condition that I'll speak to the mayor for you. I'll mow your lawn. If he went and did what he promised, he said something to the mayor for, on her behalf. Or or he mowed her lawn. Um, it works. It's not not. Now, the point is that Saul should seem pretty obvious. So let's take a look. So Amrish Lakish, so Rish Lakish says, who Shavapruta. He is not marrying her with the value of that service. Right? It's like every other Mishnah. He gives her the ring and he says, on the condition that I do X. So even though here the X is a type of a service that has a market value, he's not marrying her with the service. He's marrying her with the ring. Okay? And he's doing the service. And it's on the condition that he does the service. Okay? The first example is a service. A little different, don't you think? No. What are you talking about? Somebody putting in a good word with you? With a politician? I know your lawn, the grass is cut. Yeah. You know know how I know it's a service? Because lobbyists make millions of dollars to do exactly that. Of course it's a service. Speaking to a, it doesn't whether it actually leads to the desired result does not mean that it's not something that people pay and they pay handsomely for for people to actually petition on their behalf you know with a politician so, and so on so the only thing that's being paid for is my putting in that word after that whether it goes anywhere or not it's not my problem exactly but you performed a very powerful service you put in a good word for somebody that's something that you can charge really good money for now Rashi says if you've already given the ring and this is just a condition I keep on saying ring because I want to make it contemporary obviously if you've already given the pruta and this is all just a condition what's the Chiddush of the Mishnah so Rashi says according to this read the Chiddush of the Mishnah is exactly that point that you have to give the ring that this is, works as a condition but 
so you were wasn't that mentioned in the Mishnah? Yeah, well, it wasn't mentioned anywhere else. I read Mukudeshetli on the condition your husband dies. I read Mukudeshetli on the condition I give you 200 zuz. Right? right? Because it's obvious. You did the act of Kiddushin, and all the Mishnah's talking about are conditions that you've added to the act. So it's a completely consistent read with everything else. And the Kiddush is, is that you can't marry her with the service. The service can only function as a Tanai, as a condition. Now, why can't you marry her with the service? We'll see. Because you would think, why not? It's something of value. Okay, but that's one read. That the service can only work as a condition. It cannot work as the way in which you marry her. Yes. Yeah, I was going to bring up just the question of the difference between tangible and intangible property. And Chazal is not all that complicated. Yes, but you can marry a woman with uh, things of value. Yeah. Um, the, va- the value that I will be mochel your debt. The value that I will, you know, all those other types of things. So let's take a look. So Rishwaki says, like all the other Mishnayot, you've given, the, you did the act of Kiddushin, you gave her the pruta, you gave her the ring, and this is just a condition. Okay, so says, Ubishar lo? Are you telling me you can't marry her with the, with the, like, the, the, the value of, the, of the fee for, um, this service? If a man says to a woman, you know, I will marry you on the because um, with the uh, with the the, the, the fee for uh, that that I that I rode you on, that, you know that I, that I gave you a donkey ride, or or right, or or that you know I put you in the wagon or in the uh, in the boat, you know that I gave you a ferry ride. That doesn't work because he already did it in the past, and therefore she just owes him money. So that's the case of right? He's basically saying with the money, he's not saying with the, with the value of my being waiving what you owe me, but actually with the money itself. But that's Milva, that's the money doesn't exist. The fee is already, the, the act of service is already taking place. Okay? Now, but if he says, with the fee for, that I will give you a donkey ride or a boat ride, then he does the service. It's not yet a debt. She doesn't it didn't happen already. She doesn't owe him any money. He does a service for her, and the value of this service that will be the pruta that you will receive. Okay, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you a free ride, right? Give you a, you know, Bob. So that's uh, something I get. If I if I gave you a plane ticket, that's worth a lot of money. So if I comped you for the plane flight, right, and I gave you a free ride, I gave you something of great value. That works. So you see, you can do it with the with the fee for with the fee for a service. So the Gemara says, Oh, wait, maybe those cases of the donkey ride, etc., is when he gave her a ring. No, it's clear not. You're saying, I marry you with the fee. Okay, it's not almanat, it's with the fee. The Otani, it's on another b'risa. Shavi mi b'tzavtav. A woman says to a man, Here, sit next to me, keep me company. And I'll, and I'll marry you, I'll agree to marry you with the value of that, of that you're keeping me company. Schok or do some type of a you know stand up comedy routine okay record the funai do a dance in front of me asa kedimus hazeh make like this uh, form like a build like I think it's a building although kedimus yomli some structure but there must be a more interesting read of that does Steinel tell that and say anything interesting about asa kedimus hazeh do this jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, I'm wondering because these other things are some type of a demonstration or, you know, ser- service. Dima says it's like building something. Anyway, you'll see if Scheindel says anything. What? Yeah. What? Make an edifice. Yeah, and if it doesn't like exactly fit the, the theme. Anyway, in all those cases, shumming. 
you assess the value. If that was a type of a thing that people would normally pay for, okay, right, exactly, you know, pay the guy a quarter to do a little dance, okay, entertain you, okay, 20 bucks for the, uh, what's it called, the cover charge to go see a comedy routine, okay, then Mukudeshes. And if not, not. So you see, you do a service, and for the, for the value of the service, you can, that can count as the money for Kiddushin. So the Gemara says, Maybe you're also, you gave a ring. No! The Gemara says, Then why would it say you assess the value? Clearly, in all these cases, you are marrying the woman with the value of the service. So the Gemara says, Isn't that a contradiction to Reish Lakish? Because Reish Lakish is implying that it only works as a condition. You can't actually marry the woman with the service of speaking to the mayor. So the Gemara says, No. I'm going to Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish, say back to you, Hi, Tana Bara, the Tana of all those Brightas that outside Tana, Savar, Enel, Yes, feels that it can work by the service. Because feels that the that the the uh, how that the sort of the um, the money owed for a service only comes at the end of the service. The tana didan our tana that only allows it to work as a condition, but not as the money for kiddushin. That the schir starts from beginning to end. What does that mean? It means you're going ahead and you're doing the service for me, right? You're mowing my lawn. Is it when you're done I owe you twenty dollars, or is it for every blade of grass I owe you? You know. Uh, uh, tenth of a penny okay so that's the question and when it all finishes then it's okay but every single little blade is increasing my debt you know tiny tiny a tiny an infinitesimal amount okay so if you say that's yes no when you're done I owe you twenty dollars okay or you know yes I owe you every little bit but I guess an interesting asking is if I mowed a quarter of the lawn do you owe me a quarter <laughs> that's a good point anyway so I wonder if the Gemara ever deals with that I'd have to see that anyway so in that case if I owe you $20 at the end, here I am, I'm mowing your lawn, right now, I've given, you know, I've done a service that I don't, you know, you don't owe me anything, okay? When I'm done, it's like, there's a $20 service here that you would owe me $20, and I'm basically saying, no, this service is a gift. I've given you now a $20 gift, okay? Whereas, if I'm mowing the lawn, and then what I'm really saying is, every every like one hundredth of a penny I'm giving to you I'm giving you this blade of grass I'm giving you that blade of grass okay and therefore I'm giving you a, a lot of partial prutas but I've never given you a pruta okay so that's the, the difference no in the end I, first I gave her a tenth of a pruta I can't marry her with that then I gave her another tenth of a pruta I can't marry her with that now I guess it does raise an interesting question which is if I say I'm going to marry you with a pruta and I give it to her in little tenth of a pruta's down payment right so that's interesting like why can't you say that the cumulative amount but I think the reason is is because there since it didn't work the first tenth of a proof it becomes like a debt and then it's Makarish Bermilza it is interesting I understand the problem okay but the sense is that if it's not all at once then you then, then everything gets owed and then it's Makarish Bermilza because it's not actually concrete money it was concrete money in my hand at the end of the day I've got a proof in my hand but here it's abstract so it's either a Milza or it's the Kesef Kedushin that's again, the way the, the reason why you can't be Makarish Bermilza is because it's not yours it's hers it's, it's no longer your money that you're giving you right so I understand the question but that's the basic idea so anyway all these cases which says you can be Makarish with a service feels that the, va- the whole value comes at the end and then you're giving her 
her something at the end that's worth a pruta. Our Mishnah, which only has it as a tnai, feels that the value, the, uh, the sort of the debt or you know what's being given is measured in every second, and therefore you're never giving a pruta. So then the Gemara says like this: One minute. What pushed Reish Lakish to interpret our Mishnah that way? That, you know, every tiny little hundredth of a penny is, is getting given, you know, and the whole thing is a process that begins from beginning to end, and it doesn't work as Kesef Kiddushin. And he wants to say, but it's, it's talking that you gave a ring, and this is all a Tznai. Why not say the Mishnah is, is that this was the Kesef Kiddushin? So the Gemara says, He's just doing, he was bothered by the language of the Mishnah. He was just doing a very reasonable read of the shot of the Mishnah. My Tatani Al Minas, why does the Mishnah say you're married me on the condition that I speak to the mayor? Nisni Bishar say you're married to me with the value of my speaking to the mayor, with the fee that normally I would charge to speak to the mayor for you. Every time the Mishnayah before said Almanat means you gave her the ring and you made an external condition. So that was true of all the previous Mishnayot on the condition that your sister dies or on the condition that I give you $200. It's true of this Mishnah. The act of Kiddushan was done and this is an independent Kiddushan. If you wanted to say that this was the value with which you were you're marrying with, this was the fee that was being given, then it should have been, the Mishnah should have been formulated otherwise. And it's totally right that it's completely shot of the Mishnah, which is interesting. Like sometimes an Amora approaches with a halachic position and it's trying to read the halachic position into the Mishnah. Here we start, he's saying, I don't even know, you know, like it's irrelevant to me right now how we paskin. Yes, and the me clearly yourself or not. Clearly it's a debate. Clearly there are plenty of Mishnah, of Brightas that feel that you can marry with the fee and so on. I'm not taking any halachic position on that matter. I'm just saying that's not what's going on in our Mishnah. Yes, Charlie. Is there such a thing as a halachic obligation for less than a pruta? Um, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. Normally, less than a pruta is not seen as money, but whether that means that it's not, um, you know, you can't sue for it, or whether it means, like, you know, that it doesn't really, that doesn't really exist. I mean, for example, think about the idea of a bank, right? Where a bank, basically, you know, your interest is accruing in tiny little, that's a real right? So, and, and you know, every tiny little increment, though, adds up to a lot of money. Well, not now, anyway, but okay, okay. used to. Financial scandals for people Took the uh, I know the roundup. I know about that. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, but so, uh, but it is a good point. Now, normally, we don't treat it that way, but I think that means more to sue for it in court. But you know, as opposed to, all right. But it, there is a good question about that. All right, let's look at the next Mishnah. On the condition that Dad agrees to that, you, that your Dad presumably agrees to our to our marriage. Okay, the woman's dad. If the father agrees, she's, by the way, I should mention in the previous right to quote. Um, where the woman says if you sit next to me and keep me company then I'll be married to you with that it's very interesting in terms of discussions earlier about nothing Huva Amrahi about the woman having a speaking role in the transaction because here she actually initiated it she said I will be married to you if you do this it never had him saying Haray At Mikudeshet Lee right it could be that it was followed with that but that was actually quite interesting where she says right remember that case it says Shave Imi Betzavta Ve'akadesh Lach or Lacha okay so actually it had the woman doing the whole initiation 
negotiating, speaking, and even the Kiddushan language. Anyway, back to our Mishnah. On the condition that dad agrees. If the father agrees she's married, it's not any Mekudeshes. Now, Mesav, if the father died, she's married. Now, the Gemara's going to say, what do you mean? He didn't agree. So, does agree mean not object? Okay, because if he died, then he never objected. All right? Mesa Ben, now let's say the son, so now, we, oh, so now actually it's clear that the Av means my father, the groom's father. Okay? So the groom said, my father agrees. Okay? And then the groom dies. Now, um, now, is this girl an Amana? Or is she never married? She'd much better be off to be never married than to be an almana. Okay? So in this case, you want the Kedusha not to take place. So what you do is, uh, Then you instruct the father and say, Look, you know, say you didn't, say you didn't approve of the marriage. And then this girl could be, won't be an almana. Okay? Because there's nothing to be gained right now. You know, the, you know, the, the, the groom is dead. All right, let's take... Right, which is exactly what the Gemara is going to try to figure out. Like, what's the key moment? Is it express acceptance, express rejection, not say anything? So let's see the Gemara. This is a little nine-year-old girl saying No, they could be two adults. So the father, in other words, she's bringing the father into the condition. Or he is bringing it in. The groom's father. He is bringing it in. Okay. My amanat to your to What does it mean on the condition that dad is okay with this? Agrees. Ilay ma'ad the amar abe in. He has to actually verbally affirm that he's okay with it. So, ema mitziyata. Let's look at the middle case. Meta'av harezum ukudeshes. If he dies, she's married. Vahalo amar in. Presumably it means he died before doing anything. So, right, that's the chiddush of the Mishnah. So how could he be married? He never said he was okay with it. Ella, it implies that what does it mean as long as dad is okay with it? It means that he's silent, that he doesn't object. Okay? Now, so he died, so he never objected. Perfect. Okay? In the Seifa. So let's look at the end. Now, if the son dies, you teach the father to say he doesn't want it. Which means that, presumably, now the Gemara here like, focuses in on, right, the idea it says like this here's the dad. Okay, and he hears that his son died. Okay, mate He just heard that his son died. Okay, so then if it's Melandinoto, this is a timeline. Okay, so he heard his son died, and then we go in and we jump in and we're Melandinoto. We 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 give him instruction at that moment in time. Before we give him instruction, and after he hears that his son's died, presumably he's not. He doesn't know what to do. Uh, he doesn't. He might not even know that the whole condition agrees. Well, whatever. So this is a period of he's being silenced. Okay, there's shtika. Okay, that's how the Gemara imagines what's being described in the Mishnah. Okay, he heard that his son died. We will now teach him. We didn't teach him before he heard his son died. Presumably there was a, a certain moment in time that passed. Okay, so there was a t- period of shtika. So if it means that the da- that dad is and, and presumably he was he also knew you know. The, of the whole condition, right? He also knew about the fact that he had the son had married this woman, um, blah blah blah. He had an opportunity to either say yes or no. That's how I would imagine that. You don't have to say that. You could say we're Milan Dinoto. We also inform him about the whole reality. Okay, but the Gemara imagines that that's the scenario. So in that case, the point is is that if it says on the on the, on the condition that he's silent, so if silence means silent as soon as he hears. 
then he already was silent. But of course, so let's take a look. Of course, this could be silent could mean something else. Silent could mean that he like doesn't object. It doesn't mean that there's one second to make the decision. Okay, let's take a look. So if it means silence, and that makes the marriage binding, let's look at the end. And therefore, if he dies, he was silent, he right? So that would work, but let's look at the end. There was a moment of silence. Why do you have to, you know, how does saying work? By being silent here, he already established the Kiddushin. So the Gemara says, well, a minute, there's an obvious answer, so let's let the Gemara say it. So the Gemara says, Ella, no, no, no. Silence does not mean a moment of silence. Well, you know, makes the Kiddushin... Let's all have a moment of silence. A moment of silence, once you find out, makes the Kiddushin binding. It means as long as you don't object. Okay? So let's, let's see, see how the mission would play out. Okay? So, the father hears, if he's wrote, which means... By his silence, he is, is somehow implicit. You know, you know. He, if he, if he, well, let's talk about the explicit cases. If he verbally objects, doesn't work. Yeah. If he verbally says, "Fine, it's great, I love it, good, nice, nice young girl," okay, then then it works. It's binding. Okay. What if he's silent and he hasn't responded yet? Presumably, in that case, until he either. Ab- verbally objects or verbally accepts it, it's unclear what, right? It's up in the air, okay? So if he verbally, but, but if he verbally objects, then it's no good, okay? That, right, so that's going to be, we're, we're going to sort of get to that, but all right, right, I got, I got it. Now, if he dies, so he never objected, so he never objected, we're good, okay? If he, the son dies, he still, so his silence still doesn't mean anything, okay? So it's still open what he can do. So we tell him at that stage, object, and it'll stop it from taking effect, all right? Everything works. Yeah, but the Gemara wants to sort of say, but if it's only a moment of shtika, then it doesn't parse in the Mishnah. Okay, so the Gemara says... So the Gemara's got a problem, though, with this. I think that the Mishnah reads this way, but here's what the Gemara says. Okay, How can the beginning be in one scenario and the end be in another scenario? Now, what's the beginning scenario of the beginning, of the, of the Reisha? So, Dove was bothered by the fact that, uh, the way I spelled it out, is that if he actively says yes, then he can't object after. If he actively objects, then again, if it's silent, it leaves it open-ended. And Dove was saying, how can you leave it indefinitely open-ended? But the Gemara has even a stranger read of the Mishnah. At least the way Rashi tells us both understand what's bothering the Gemara. And if you framed it as on the condition that he doesn't object, he can always object, even after he accepted. Right? Which is like crazy. He says, great, I love it, whatever. And then a year from now, he says, you know what, I object. Well, it was only on the condition that he didn't object. Eventually he objected. Right? It's like crazy. You would think that once you accept, you lose your right to object. So therefore, the Gemara says, the Mishnah, the ratio of the Mishnah doesn't make sense. How's the ratio of the Mishnah when it says, if he wants, she's Nikudeshes, how is that true? As, if the real condition is, as long as he doesn't object, she's never definitely Nikudeshes. He always can potentially object, even after he verbally accepted. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the Gemara, if you're confused, don't worry. No, not confused okay. It's bizarre. It's completely bizarre that the Gemara thinks that if you formulate something on the condition you don't object, that you could verbally, you know, affirm it and then say, but 
eventually I'll object. <laughs> right. Anyway, so that so anyway, so the Gemara says so the ratio has to mean that you Si- are silent. The safer means you don't object. So the Gemara says, how could that be? Gemara says, I'm Rav in. Yes, it's true. The, the beginning w- means that uh, it can't be that you have an indefinite period to object. So the beginning is that as long as you're silent, it's okay. If you're not silent, it's no good. And the safer is about actively objecting. So the Gemara says, I'm Rav Yonai. The fact that Rav Yonai was, was willing to say that the beginning and end of the mission are about different circumstances, uh, we hear from him his uh, meth- a methodological point that uh, we'd rather have the Mishnah be, the, be a single opinion of one Tana even if it forces us saying that the first case is different conditions than the end cases the first case it basically means uh, on the condition that you're silent and the end case means on the condition that you don't object we'd rather say that rather than saying that it's all the same case and, the, and but it's a debate of Tanayim how to parse his words so the Gemara sees that you know the only way the race can be explained is if it means on the condition you're silent the only way the safer can be explained is if it means on the condition you don't object so we do, do we say that it's all he said the same words Yirtza and there's a debate of Tanayim how to parse that do you parse that to mean silence or do you parse that to mean not object or do we say no it's actually different circumstances in one case you said silence in the other case you said not object and he'd rather have it be different circumstances than be a debate that is where you know a hidden debate going on here okay Rav Yosef really it's all one scenario okay Umay and here finally we get the we get the time limit like it cannot be indefinite so basically what it says is on the condition that dad doesn't object for the next 30 days so the ratio that says Mikudeshes when is she Mikudeshes it's not enough to say I, I agree because if you think it means don't object you Margin thinks you could object after you agreed but what the, when is she Mikudeshes when the time limit runs out at the end of the 30 days so the ratio says she's married is that he didn't object for 30 days and then the clock ran out then the middle case says that if the father dies so even during the 30 days she's married because let me tell you he's not going to object by the end of 30 days and in the last case he finds out so there's a clock running and he's got 30 days and we teach him to object within those 30 days alright that was very complicated let's go on okay and <laughs> they'd, rather, they'd rather they'd rather have they'd rather avoid a machloket between two different sanayim no not between two different sanayim they'd rather avoid saying that a anonymous Mishnah that all seems to be one opinion is really two separate opinions that have not been articulated. Sometimes they end up having to do that. Right. Okay, let's look at the next Mishnah. So now we're moving away from the act of Kiddushin to the question of Ne'emanus. And we, what's implicit in this Mishnah, that's even implicit in the Gemara, the Gemara doesn't throw it out explicitly, is that a father is believed to say that he married off his daughter. Now, it's funny, so the Kiddushin doesn't take place without witnesses. So you could say, if you're claiming that you married your daughter, produce the witnesses. And if you can't produce the witnesses, we're not going to believe you. Right? But nevertheless, the Gemara says, based on the Pasuk 
uh, where the where the father says Espiti Natati you know the psukim there about the whole where he claims he's not a virgin you know and, the, and then brings out the, the cloth or whatever right so he says I gave my daughter to this man the Gemara learns, learns from this that a father is believed to say that he married off his daughter even if they, he can't produce any witnesses so let's say he says he married off his daughter but he doesn't remember who he married her to okay so now she's stuck like can, she can't marry another guy because it might be adultery what's she supposed to do right remain in a good her whole life so the Gemara says and she can't even get a gift from anybody because he can't remember who it is so the Gemara says so a man shows up and says oh I was the guy he's believed okay which makes life easy now he can give her a get or they can choose to be married two people claim that they were the ones who married her and presumably the father doesn't know can't discern between them they both give a get because they both can't be married to her obviously and one of them would be adultery so he has to get a get but if they want to one can give a get and the other can marry if the guy who married her was the guy who married her the guy who's going to stay with her is the guy who married her then you don't need to get from the second guy if the second guy was the guy who, mar- who married her then at least she's now divorced from him and now she's married to this other guy Okay, but anyway, so there's two implicit chidushim in the Mishnah. One is that you believe the father, and the other is once you're believing the father, you're then also prepared to believe a guy who claims it. Why should we believe a random guy who says it? Right? I mean, the the Torah didn't give a random guy any special nemanus; it gave the father special nemanus. So let's take a look. Amara. Let's say there's only one guy. And it says, the one guy shows up and says, it was me. And it says, we believe him. So he says, we only believe him to give a get. And now she's free to marry somebody else. That's pretty heavy stuff. Because basically now, she's not, there's no concern of adultery. She's free to marry. But he's not married, believed to marry her. What's the difference? We're going to allow her to marry somebody else. Why isn't she believed to marry her? So the Gemara says, Ain Adam Chote Velolo. Okay? Neman Litin Get, Ain Adam Chote Velolo. He's believed to give her a get because he won't sin if he's not going to benefit from it. Meaning, if he's here and lying, what does he have to gain? We're not actually, because we don't let him marry her, the only person that can gain from this is some other man who's going to marry her. So, ah, maybe it's adultery and he's lying and he's now going to allow her to commit adultery with another. He has nothing to gain from it. So that actually helps us believe him. Okay? Because we're not going to let him marry her. Okay? The Ainem and Lichnos, but he can't marry her, even though you say, well, he wouldn't be going ahead and committing adultery if he wasn't really the right of the man. No. Shema Yitzhak Tokso. If you have a vested interest, your Yitzhak gets the better of you. Sometimes people do lie and sin, even with very serious sins. Okay? So if, any, if he's going to gain from the testimony, we don't believe him. Once we prevent him from any personal benefit, then he's believed Afka for other people. Yes? I can't think of an example offhand, but I'm, I'm sure that there are other examples in where people do things out of spite. Uh, right. So, uh, specifically, like, is about the, the mother-in-law and the, and the sister-in-law and all of those, we didn't believe people because we were afraid it was out of spite. So you're saying... I guess that's true, meaning if it was a case like that, that there was a basis to think he was trying to mess her up, right? We do have cases like that, but usually it's with like the female relatives in these types of scenarios, but it could be. And there's also cases where people say, here's a hundred bucks, go and testify, <laughs> right? Anyway, but that's Rob's position. Right. Right, because, you're, because, you know, maybe somebody is, maybe he's being paid to do it, right? Okay, so Gmar says, now, that's Rav, which is a very reasonable position. Ravasi Amar, Afnemon, no, he can even marry her. 
basically because as we're going to see A. it would be a big sin for him and B. if he's going to say it's me he's afraid that the father's going to say look I don't know who I married her to but I know it wasn't you like you know you're six feet tall and I know the guy was five four so clearly you're lying so he does right so you don't know if you're going to be called out on it when you present yourself and say it was me so therefore you're believed even for that purpose because you are um, because you would not lie you don't want to be called out Okay, so the Gemara says, If a woman says, I got married and I don't know who I married, okay, not the father, she says it about herself. I married her. That he's not believed. Now this, I, 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 it's very bizarre. The Gemara is going to say the reason. Let's read it in the Gemara and see the reason. Because I got to tell you, I don't understand what the, the Gemara's reason for it. No, <laughs> let's keep on going. We'll see about that in a minute. Rotsu, if the Mishnah says if they want, one gives a get and one can marry. So it's a, it's a contradiction to Rav. Rav said that the guy who says it was me is not believed to marry. And we see it at least in the case of the Mishnah of two guys that, he, that one of them is believed to marry. So the Gemara says no. Rav will say to you, since there's another guy with him, he's afraid to lie. Like, you know, if I'm going to go, there's another guy, it's all he assumes that everybody is coming at the same time and knows what's happening. But anyway, and I'm going to go and there's another guy there. Unless I really believe I'm telling the truth, right, I'm really afraid because maybe I'm going to get called out as a liar. The other guy's going to contradict me. The, other guy, the father will recognize the other guy as the guy that did it. So if I'm the only guy who turns up, maybe I'm not so afraid. But if there's another guy turning up and he's like looking at the two of us, like, you know, you know then maybe I'd be more afraid to lie. Of course, the problem is, is that then you would say that both of them are telling the truth. But obviously one of them is lying, right? So the way Rashkin tells, so why all of a sudden do we believe this guy if now we know that one of you is lying? So what Rashkin tells us is sort of say, it's sort of like a Shlomo Amalek solution, right? Uh, okay, but you, the one who chose to be the one to give the get, we're going to presume most likely he's the one who's lying and the one who's prepared to go ahead and marry her. I don't know. It's still a real question why we play it out that way. Anyway, fine. That's how he deals with the end of the Mishnah. Tiny Kavasi to Ravasi. We talk like Ravasi. Kidashi is piti. Veni yodeo ni kidashi. I don't know who I married her to. Ba'echem v'amar kidashkiya. Af neman lichnos. The Bible explicitly says he's believed to marry her. Kinsu ba'ech achev v'amar ani kidashkiya. Now let's say after he married her, guy number two showed up. In that case, loko himenul osra love. Once, now that we have an established, you know, reality that they're married, we don't start worrying, ah, guy number two, well, he should just be as believed as guy number one, and now maybe, you know, she's an HSE, and she's not married again, no. Once you've established a new reality, like if guy one testified and hadn't acted on it and guy number two showed up, that would be a different story. Then one of them would have to give her a get. But after you've created a new reality, this guy is not believed to change that reality. Okay? Uh, where were we? Uh, after, uh, I lost my place. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, now, this was the case where Ravasi would agree to. The woman said, I got married to, it, to a guy, and I don't know who. I married you. He can't. Why? And here's the reason, and you tell me if you understand this reason. She'll be willing to cover up for him. Now, what's the... I, I don't understand. Rashi doesn't explain. You can tell me yes, you're English or you can figure this out. Explains. It says, the father it, it assumes that 
if I know you're lying, okay, the guy has to be concerned that he might be seen as a, he, might, he might be called out as a liar. So part of the reason he's believed is he doesn't is because we assume he wouldn't want to get called out as a liar. So the assumption is like this: if I'm going to go ahead and lie and come to the father, he's going to call me out. And the father won't be mechapelav. He won't try to protect me. But if I go and I go to this woman who says she married a guy and she sees that I'm a liar, she sees I'm not the guy, she'll still at least try to be protect me. Why would the woman try more to protect him than the father? Now you could say because it's in the woman's best interest, right? As long as nobody shows up she can't be married to anyone because she might be an HSH, right? She, can't, she is an HSH to somebody. So the woman has a vested interest to, you know, to believe, or even if she knows he's lying, to play along with any guy who shows up because, it, oh, because, because otherwise she's an HSH. But the father also has that interest. He doesn't want his daughter to be an HSH. So presumably what we're saying is that because, you know, the father, you know, if it's not you personal, even if it's your daughter, you know, you, you know you're going to be able to be a little bit more honest about it. Okay, yes, I know my daughter's now going to be an HSE for her entire life or whatever, but I know this guy isn't a guy, and I'm not going to let him give her a get and let her marry some other guy, and I'll know she'll be an HSE. So the father will call out the liar. But the woman herself, who really is going to be in this tragic situation, you know, she might more feel, be willing to go along even if she knows it's a lie because it will free her from her current situation. That presumably is the difference. What? That she could convince herself. Oh. That she... You know, because of her vested interest yeah. that she's going to convince herself that this is a guy that could be that's in the right in not being in a guna right which is more which is true for the father in terms of his daughter but it's more powerful for the woman herself so right maybe you're right maybe it's not exactly lie but allow themselves to believe that this is the guy <laughs> right memory is right exactly yes by the principle that the mouth that per- prohibits is the mouth that permits couldn't she simply say after the guy shows up oh now I remember that this is the guy uh, well yes if she says it that would she would be believed but all the cases are that they are not saying it mm-hmm. that we're trusting the guy not the original person ok to be continued uh,